Welcome to We Talk Banking and Finance from Walkers, where every fortnight we talk to colleagues and peers about the latest trends in offshore finance. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the final podcast in 2021 from We Talk Banking and Finance with Walkers. I'm Julia Kepi, Senior Counsel in the Jersey team, and I'm joined today by my colleague Alice White, also based in Jersey. So, a running theme on this podcast that we talk about regularly, and I don't think will have escaped anyone's attention, is that the pre-Christmas rush is in full swing. Alice, fair to say you're quite busy? (laughs) Yeah, definitely fair to say, Julia. (laughs) Well, notwithstanding this, a couple of weeks ago, before Omicron became part of everyday vocabulary for everyone, Alice and I persuaded group partner John LaRossignol to spare some of his valuable time to talk to us about the latest banking and finance trends. We cover new money, new types of lenders, confidence in the market and a consistent hot topic, enforcement. We also discuss LIBOR amendments and I think it's fair to say the market has shifted somewhat since we discussed it with John. So anyway, without further ado, welcome John to We Talk Banking and Finance. Please set the scene for us and your current role in Walkers. Well, yeah, no, thank you both for inviting me today. Um, yeah, my name's John LaRossignol. I'm a partner in our Channel Islands banking and finance team. Um, I focus on Jersey law specifically, um, but I've got over 15 years experience in um, debt finance and restructuring work. And that's across a number of jurisdictions, but including time working in London, Hong Kong and and in Jersey. So plenty of experience in that space. Um, but nowadays, my focus um, predominantly is on real estate finance, acquisition finance and the restructuring of those holding structures which are structured through through Jersey, particularly financial restructuring of those those holding structures. So plenty of experience but also what that allow, what that allows me to do is to have um quite a broad view on um the market and and we certainly see because of the number of instructions we act on we certainly consider ourselves and and walkers in the channel lines generally as a good barometer of the banking and finance offshore market that's great John. really interested and so given that what have you been seeing in the last 18 months 12 18 months what any particular trends yeah, I mean it's been there's been quite distinct actually. So um if we start on the on the new money side and focusing on real estate in particular, then certainly what we've seen is COVID accelerate the trends which were a- already in the market. So I I think we were already seeing a move towards um online shopping um and also to uh, developments in the build to rent sector but certainly what covid has done is has has moved those items forward at, at a faster pace so we're seeing real demand in the development of logistics business park assets and the and the associated financing of those thankfully for us as jersey lawyers we've seen um a, a resurgence of the japer as the as the vehicle or the jersey property unit trust for those of you not familiar with that with that acronym, but it is a a very popular holding structure for UK commercial real estate, particularly because of the um, tax advantages that it that it has from a UK tax perspective. So it's a look through structure, and that is particularly popular with um, investors that are like um, pension houses or institution institutional investors. And certainly, if you're setting up your structure, particularly with one eye on an eventual exit towards one of those investors, then the JPER. I am glad to say we've seen a resurgence. As the, as the as the vehicle of choice, but particularly a JPUT used to hold a logistics asset or a, a business park. Um, certainly, that that seems to be on on the hot side of the of the of the real estate finance market at the moment. 
Um, in complete contrast to that, you have the retail side of the market. So where, where logistics and online retail has won, the the realist, the the high street ha- is well documented how much it has suffered. And certainly Walkers has been involved in a number of really high profile retail restructurings. Um, but what those tend to consist of at the moment is what I would term more of a debt rather than a corporate restructuring. So the extension of maturities on loans and a, a debt rescheduling so that to give a company a bit more breathing space to see that once the effect of the pandemic hopefully slowly works itself out, whether they can bring themselves back to profitability and more importantly, from a financier's perspective, whether they can actually service this debt that they have in place at the moment. So certainly one trend that's sort of two quite distinct trends on 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 the, in in the real estate retail market. And if I may just bring you back a, a little bit there John with the new money. Can you tell us a little bit about where this money is coming from? What type of lenders were in the world sure. those investors are? It is actually really interesting because it's it's a much broader base of of invest uh, of lending going into um, the real estate market in in general. So what we've seen is p- potentially um, a slowdown in in the in money coming from the high street banks, um, and and you would understand that they're naturally a bit more cautious. Um, they had to deal with the government support, the C bills facilities. So they've been um, they they've had their mind focused elsewhere, shall we say? But what we've seen is the liquidity gap, particularly in the UK real estate finance market being plugged by um, debt funds in particular, the private debt funds in particular. And so new players enter the market. We've had Blackstone, for example, most most famously um, raise a, a huge real estate debt fund and ent- enter into um, lending into, into the real estate finance market as well. But that's the, that there is, a, there is a number of debt funds. There's also the entry of and the increased prevalence of the challenger banks. And I know certainly in this series, we'll be talking to, to, to one of those um, in, in another one of these in another one of these sessions. But so I would say you have an increasing number of players, um, but you also have an increasing geography. So where we have seen a slowdown potentially in the lending from high street UK banks, We've certainly seen the Asian banks come back to the real estate finance market more quickly. So um, a lot of the deals that we are working on currently, particularly on the new money, on the origination side of things, are financed by Asian financiers. Um, and that what's been great for Walkers as, as an institution is because we have the geographical spread of two significant offices in both Singapore and Hong Kong, we've been able to work closely with our colleagues to not only secure those mandates, but also service them seamlessly, um, working, working closely with our colleagues in Hong Kong and Singapore. That sounds great. Certainly sounds like we have been walkers have been kept very busy. It's been it's yeah, it's been a a phenomenally busy few months actually. Um quite quite surprisingly so actually. I I do think busyness has has generally held up well in the finance market and if you talk to a, a range of finance lawyers across the cities that we, that we get instructed from, also our underlying clients Everyone is talking about, you know, the resilience of, of the finance market and how and how it's held up surprisingly well across um, across the eighteen months that we've been through the COVID bad pandemic. Actually, what we've seen, which in the last I would say three to four months, the last quarter is a, is a contraction of deal timetables. So we we've we've what we've seen is people wanting to do deals. There's a lot of latent capital in the market. People want to do these deals, but they 
what that means is they are bringing them to the market much quicker and asking for them to be serviced much quicker. And so we're seeing a contraction of a deal from a three-month timetable to a one-month timetable, and which means working very hard and keeping our lawyers very busy. Um, but it's great to see the confidence that is obviously brimming in the market at the moment. Talking about all the money coming into the market and all the deals being done, it paints a very bright picture. To maybe look at not such a bright picture, we heard and anticipated quite a few restructurings that would present themselves over the last year and certainly going forward. But it doesn't seem that those have really come to the forefront for now anyway. Have you had any experience of those? Have you seen it coming through your your door, coming to your desk recently? Sure. Um, I think I'm not alone in saying that we, when COVID first hit, we anticipated a raft of restructurings and and serious sort of you know insolvencies, capital restructurings, um, and they haven't yet come to the fore. We haven't seen the sort of swathe of security enforcements that we potentially would have expected, um, given given the market conditions. That said, um, what we have seen is a lot of um, extending of terms and amendments to facilities to facilitate um, breathing space for for borrowers and for for credits. So it seems to be that the general sentiment amongst lenders in the market is one of forbearance currently, and that has maintained so far throughout the the pandemic. So they would rather, there doesn't seem the appetite to go into a loan to own strategy or to enforce your security to actually take ownership of the assets, which is what your security would permit you to do. Rather, um, there seems still at this stage to be a constructive dialogue that happens between the borrower and the lender as to what can we do to try and help you out of those. Now, um, that's not always the case. I mentioned a couple of retail examples um, that that we've that we've that we at Walkers have seen, um, and the it, it you know there there are situations where um, the lender's patience runs out, and and certainly. Um, it will be interesting to watch this space um, over the next six months or so to see when government protections in the UK tail off, do we start to see more aggressive action taken by the banks and other financiers in terms of where they where they really don't see that actually this is a long-term position just to hold the debt any longer or to push out the term any longer. And a lot of that will be driven by factors like what you've already alluded to earlier, the return of people to the office. How many people are coming back to the office? How often are people going to come back to the high street? So that kind of, those kind of sort of, geopolitical factors as well will have a big bearing on what what plays out in the market what we have seen though where where the where we haven't seen the full um enforcement piece actually go through to fruition we've certainly seen a lot of asks on the enforcement advice piece so um we are preparing a, a lot of security memorandums which talk about how would one potentially enforce if it if it comes to it because i think certainly in days of old the focus was not so much on um what does my security package give me in ter- particularly my offshore security package in terms of enforcement and exit strategies I think Jersey and Guernsey in particular were seen um, more as a belts and braces part of the security package with um, UK security being the uh, the primary the primary method of, of, of relief or enforcement. 
Um, but certainly what we've seen in these days of increased distress in the market is increased focus on what does a Jersey or Guernsey security package give you, not only in terms of um, exit, so full-blown nuclear enforcement, take the shares, but actually what do the rights under those documents give you? So an ability to vote shares or an ability to use other ancillary powers that are under those documents. So certainly a lot of advice being prepared around how would you do that? And that's not only at the um, distress stage of the transaction. I should add that a lot of our new instructions these days not only are, please can you paper a piece of security and review our facility agreement from a from an offshore perspective, it's actually, please could you give the advice at the outset of the transaction as to how one would enforce if we had to. And maybe not so prevalent in the real estate finance market yet, but certainly in the acquisition finance and the um, fund finance market, that is something that it, it comes with every RFP these days. So it sounds like it'd be fair to say that while we're not seeing a great deal of enforcements, our clients are certainly a lot more conscious about the issue. Absolutely. And getting the advice and at the kickoff point. Absolutely. It's um it's a it's a really it's a really key focus. And in fact for some financiers it's it's the predominant focus when entering into a deal is how how would I how would I exit this? How would I enforce? It it goes to the it's increasingly becoming part of the credit approval of the deal as well. Um, is is what is my exit strategy, which is some you know, I it, as an offshore lawyer, it's not something that historically we would have fed into on at the, at the, at that credit stage, but certainly now it is something that we're being asked to do to do so. Um, and I I think was probably at this juncture worth highlighting that in the Channel Islands, in Jersey and Guernsey in particular, there there isn't a concept of a receiver, and so you can't appoint a receiver over English or or under English law. So what that is a key difference uh, when we're talking to English lawyers who look at the receiver as their sort of primary route of enforcement, and particularly when we're talking to secured financiers, it does bear in mind and it does ring a few alarm bells um, that actually in the Channel Islands the person who's doing the enforcement would be the secured party itself or the secure or the security agent. Um, now there are there are ways in which we can mitigate the risk for the security agent, but being well advised as to your rights and duties is absolutely paramount under Jersey and Guernsey law because as I say, there won't be a receiver in play. On that note, Alice and I have recently worked on a few transactions where parties are amending their facilities to support the transition from LIBOR to Sonia. How many do you expect to see and what are you seeing at the moment? Yeah, it's a, it's a really good question. It's, it seems to be a little bit of a sleeping giant to me at the moment as well in terms of um, we are certainly aware that um, LIBOR is being phased out at the end of this year and being replaced by Sonia. Um, but I'm also aware that I've acted on an awful lot of LIBOR-driven um, loans um, that haven't yet been amended um, to replace that um, calculation mechanic with Sonia. So we're certainly expecting activity in that space, even if it's a short amendment letter through to using it as a stick to um, do a more uh, or a wider uh, amendment it, we're certainly expecting increased activity in that space as we get closer to that phasing out of the of the of the LIBOR, which is due at the end of this year. Thank you so much for coming along, John. I know you are feeling very out of your comfort zone, so 
I am going to take my opportunity to make you a little bit more uncomfortable and ask you to gaze into your crystal ball and tell us if we were having this conversation again in, say, six months' time, give us your predictions, what would we be talking about? And I may hold you to it. (laughs) Sure. Okay. I'm feeling some pressure now. (laughs) Yeah. Um, No, I think... A continuation of what we've talked about, um, certainly, but I'm I'm really expecting the um, the li- amendments and restatements, or p- just particularly amendments that are driven by Sonia to increase over 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 the next six months. So we're going to be seeing lots of um, short amendment letters, I would say, but then also being asked from a Jersey standpoint and a Guernsey standpoint, no doubt, to opine on whether that amendment still um, creates a sort of effective legal legal and binding obligations, um, which will also involve considerations as to what is the impact of this amendment on the security package. Um, so there'll, there'll be lots of thinking to go in into that. I also predict that uh, with the opening up of, of the UK market and actually people being able to do physical site visits. I think that's a really big thing. You know, we can't forget that actually the real estate market has has held up well, but actually people haven't been able to do physical site visits. So I think as soon as, for example, Asian investors can travel to the UK and see shiny new office blocks, etc., I, I do I do feel that there's going to be an increased activity in um in in the in the real estate market. That said, it will be interesting to see we touched on it briefly, but it will be interesting to see how long does the lender patients um go on for in in this in this market of of forbearance we talked about it's a are we going to see this wave of restructurings i suspect not in the six months particularly with the timetable of the um, uk government support continuing into the into the new year Um, but i do think there is going to be increasing discussions um around what what is the longer term strategy here yes we've yes we've put this off for two years or a year and a half but really you know is this group profitable and able to service its debt as a going concern going forward so i do think we are going to see a few more um mandates alongside the insolvency um alongside our insolvency team as well finally i think there's also um I think we'll see continued activity in the PE market um, and leveraging of those deals as well. Um, we've seen the PE market going crazy at the moment. You know, there's so many deals in the market, but actually there's a real paucity of, of assets to invest in. So there's r- lots of deals where, you know, there's multiple bids going into deals. Um, there's lots of competition for assets. All of those bids uh, tend, to, tend to be commit on, on a committed funds basis. Um, so, I expect we'll see plenty of PE activity as a side, as an offset of that. I think we'll also, because of the demand for the assets, but there are not being enough assets, I think we'll see increased structuring um, in that in that lending as well. So that will manifest itself in many ways. But I think particularly, you know, people looking at senior and mezzanine pieces of debt in, in, in a deal rather than just the sort of senior bridge facility. Or So I, I do think there's going to be increased structuring um, which is driven by um, not there not being enough assets in, in the market and, and people sort of scrambling to get onto onto one asset but I mean in in summary I'm predicting a pretty busy six months ahead I look forward to it well thank you very much John it's great to have you on thank you for the time both I really appreciate it thank you for inviting me and uh, to be part of this great series and I look forward to hearing the next one On which note, We Talk Banking and Finance is taking a short break over the Christmas period. 
sadly, to focus on all that work we mentioned at the start rather than to eat mince pies and put our feet up. But if you are missing us and haven't heard some of the podcasts John mentioned, including on the resurgence of j or our interview with Mo Sondi of Oak North Bank, all details can be found on walkersglobal.com or by contacting myself or Alice. We will, of course, be back in January 2022 with more interviews and insights on the world of banking and finance. In the meantime, wishing all our listeners a wonderful holiday period and all the best for 2022. Thank you so much for your support and thank you to everyone involved in getting this podcast up and running. You've been listening to We Talk Banking and Finance from Walkers, your bi-weekly podcast for the latest insights from around our teams in Europe, Asia and the Caribbean. If you've enjoyed this episode, please like, share and subscribe. 